0: Podcast Answer Man, episode number 435. Hi there, this is Ray Edwards from rayedwards.com, and there's only one guy I trust to answer my questions about podcasting, and that is, of course, the Podcast Answer Man, Cliff Ravenscraft.
1: Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Podcast Answer Man. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft, and this, my friends, is the podcast devoted to helping you take your message, your business, and your life to the next level. That's right, my friends. It does not matter if you are brand new to this online content creating world we live in or if you've been creating content for many years, there's something we can all do to take everything we do in life to the next level. And well, my friends, I am super delighted to bring to you another episode of Podcast Answer Man. And in this week's episode, I have yet another interview, another conversation with a podcasting A to Z alumni. One of the things that I realize is that after doing podcasting A to Z since March 2006, I've had over 530 students who have graduated from this course. It just occurred to me, why not start sharing those stories? And of course, one of the things that I've been doing lately is sharing more and more of those here in Podcast Answer Man. And I'm starting out with the folks who have done things like, you know, 100 so episodes. And I am happy to share with you a conversation with Scott Stratton. Scott is an internationally known keynote speaker. Last year alone, he did 68 speaking engagements. He's written multiple books that are extremely popular in the business space and is considered one of the top-ranked influencers in the world of Twitter. He and his wife, Allison, have been doing the UnPodcast for two years now, over 100 podcast episodes, and there's a lot of valuable information and insight that you can pull out of this conversation that I'm about ready to share with you. I have a whole list of notes of things that were of interest to me while I was listening, and if you want to see that list, you can head over to podcastanswerman.com slash 435. And in the show notes, I'll put down the things that were interesting to me as far as the things that Scott had said. But I'm absolutely certain that as you listen to this interview that I had with Scott Stratton, you will come away with your own list of valuable takeaways. And well, rather than go on anymore, here's the interview with Scott right now. Scott, I wanted to talk to you about your journey into the world of podcasting. I know some exciting things have happened for you with CBS. I don't know where things have landed, if that's still going on. But uh, before we get into that, I want to ask you: How did you first hear about podcasting?
0: Well, I've been uh, an online kind of geek for going on 20 years now, and we certainly heard of it quite some time ago. Like, oof, almost a almost a decade ago, and it was one of that really almost almost underground. It was one of those things where it was the Uber geeks listened to the podcasts, and a a good friend of mine, Lisa uh, Renee Hall, who was I think Lisa Barnes at the time, she uh, had writing a book about it. She was speaking about it, and I was trying to figure it out. I'm like, "Well, what is what is it? I don't I don't understand." It was so kind of niche that it was kind of freaked me out a bit. And uh, uh, so it's been a long time. So like I always said when we started our show two years ago, I'm like, "We're only seven years late to the party." And uh, uh, yeah, long, long time ago.
1: Well, the interesting thing is that I heard about you way before you ever even considered doing a podcast. Mm -hmm. And I remember hearing your name online. We run in a lot of the same circles, us online entrepreneurial type folks. I'll never forget the very first realization that, man, you're more than just that guy I hear some of my friends talk about. I was in a Barnes and Noble Looking in the business entrepreneurial section, and I find this book called Unmarketing by Mm -hmm. Scott Stratton. It's like, wait a second. I know that name. (laughs) You already had this big platform, I I guess, through blogging and through social media and all the other things, specifically Twitter. You're known most for that, at least in the early days anyway. Yeah. For sure. But but you already had this massive platform. Why did you finally get around seven years later to launching a podcast? What did you hope to accomplish with by creating a podcast?
0: Well, it was yeah. By the time we launched the Unpodcast, we had uh, three books out, and uh, you know, obviously a ginormous Twitter following in comparison to um, a lot of other places and brands. And Facebook was rocking, and email was rocking, and. It wasn't that hey, let's just add another thing to do to the list. What it was looking at was okay. So why am I blogging? Why am I doing this? And I used to. I, I'm notorious for not blogging. I think I blog every once a quarter. I, I don't. I think if even that. So a couple times a year. And part of it was laziness. Part of it was writing is not my forte. Um, I love the written word. I love writing. And actually, Allison, who's the co-host on the podcast and the co-author of Unselling, and actually the really the one who wrote all the books, and I just talked, and she, she, she wrote. And uh, it wasn't my, my passion. And so it was like blogging was a chore for me, and I'd only blog if something epic happened. And the unmarketing brand is usually about things that go wrong in marketing and business, so unless something really hit the fan, I wouldn't blog. I'd use Twitter. I could do Twitter because it was real short, real easy, real quick. I could do this pithy stuff. Facebook, same idea. I could put up what I wanted. But blogging, I had a roadblock to it. I'm like, I'm supposed to blog, I should blog. I understand why, but it was a real chore. I rallied against content schedules and frequency, force frequency is something I've always talked about on stage, which is you have to blog every week or you know every Tuesday. And I've been years in multiple books. I've said that's a mistake. Yet here's a guy now that we've recorded over a hundred episodes, and I've done it every week for two years. And there, why? And this is the real reason why. I realize we love to talk and Allison and I love to talk it's a different type of format than a lot where we don't have guests we just talk about what's going on that week uh, in business screw-up so we'll never have a a lack of content but we realized we not only is she the co-host of the show and the co-author of the books but she's also uh, my wife so you know we love the fact that we talk every day about this stuff we just stuck up microphones in front of us and realized you know, we really love doing stuff together. We really love working together. And the issue in our business was that if we weren't writing a book, um, it was just me kind of going on stage because that's how we really make a living is, is I do keynote speaking. So between books, we didn't get a lot of that collaboration we wanted to do. And a book takes a huge amount of work, sixty, seventy thousand 70,000 words a book. We did four of them and we didn't want to do a book just so we could do something again. So we realized two years ago that, this podcast thing could work and man, if it's not the thing we love the most out of everything. It's so good. We're actually going into the studio tomorrow so we rent a studio in the town beside us in Burlington, Ontario and we rent it for the day and we record four episodes at a time. So we kind of pretty much a month's worth of episodes at a time. We have a a, a video crew and an audio engineer and a hair and makeup person and people bring in lunch and so it's it's like an event for us to record these things and Man, uh, part of me says, "I, I wish we did it a long time ago, but the other side says, you know, this was the right time, both for us and I think for the industry.
1: I love that. So if you don't mind me asking some questions here, and I'll edit out any questions you don't want to answer so that I had never actually asked you the question in the interview. <laughs> sure. So,
0: I've, never, I've never been asked a question I haven't answered yet. So give it a try.
1: So how much do you spend, would you say, on the whole renting a studio for a day in a town nearby with the makeup person coming in and all that stuff? How much, how much of an expense is that?
0: So we look at it, uh, we have all that, plus we have a, um, a, a person that does the post of the show. They're the ones that coordinate the uploading and the writing about the session and um, you know, setting it out on time. So really, it's literally that set it and forget it. We go in, sit down, talk, and we go home, and that's it. We never do anything else with the podcast. So I'd say uh, about per year, we're probably at about $50,000. So we're about a th- just under $1,000 an episode, I'd say. And that's why. And that was from day one. That was before we got a sponsor. We've had a sponsor now for about seven seven months or so, which is Emma, uh, email marketing. And uh, we, but we spent that from day one.
1: Would you say that the sponsorship is that covering the cost of that?
0: No, I don't don't mind telling you how everything works. It's uh, so we signed on Emma to uh, they signed on for the full year a year as the kind of platinum or lead sponsor, whatever you want to call it. And they get a certain amount of things with that. You know, the logo is in the album cover and it's in the video. We do a couple of live reads in the show. And so uh, we get $150,000 a year for that. And with that, it's split 50-50 with CBS as the audio distribution rights for it. So we certainly cover the costs and make some, you know, make some pocket change, some spending money on top of that as well.
1: And the opportunity for you to have this collaboration with your wife and also to promote your brand in a way that is more along the lines of your passion of communicating through the spoken word because you're a keynote speaker. And also it allows you to consistently reach your community of people that you've been building this brand around. And it allows you to get that exposure for ongoing future potential gigs. Exactly. So, I do recall when you launched your show, the Un Podcast, you had launched another podcast about Vegas. Tell yep. us a little bit about that. And is that show still going? And if
0: not, why? So, we recorded uh, called the Vegas 30, which was uh, Vegas for people over 30, because it's a place that's really different when you're 38 than when you're 21. And there's, you know, we, but Alice and I adore Vegas. We're, We're looking at condos there right now. Combined, we've been there over 100 times. And we know one of the reasons people don't like it is because of all the, you know, Vegas, all the stuff that goes on. But there's so much more to Vegas than, than kind of the, the gambling and the, the madness and the drinking. So we started recording that. We simply said, what do we want to talk about that's our passion? It was two things. It was the on-marketing type of stuff, and it was Vegas. So we started recording both simultaneously. And we recorded, I think, 14 episodes of the Vegas one. Um, that was never meant to be an ongoing show. That was meant to kind of have a body of work that each episode was topical. So one episode was uh, the uh, playing poker in Vegas. The next one was Best Places to Eat. Vegas next one was off the strip in Vegas next one is first time in Vegas what should you do so each had a topic and we never meant to do that weekly and so we didn't Uh, I've always said you create content when you have something to say we never wanted to force it for either show so the Vegas one was at that we're still getting some people are kind of uh, giving us the gears because we haven't come out with a new episode of Vegas in a long time and because that's the expectation of a podcast, it'll come out weekly. But I, we just don't want to have a show for the sake of a show. We don't live in Vegas; we're not there. We're we're looking at potentially um, re-recording it and doing it again because it's been um, a couple years now and things have changed. So we are thinking about updating it, we're thinking about recording it and videotaping it in Vegas. So we love doing it. You just you know, that's one thing about podcasting: you pick a topic you're passionate about, and it's just, it's not it's not work. You know, we just love talking about it. And it was, we've got great responses. People listen to it on their flight to Vegas is very cool. And we get some, of it. so we, it's a passion project for us, for sure. we could talk about it until the cows come home, but we on purpose said this was not gonna be a continual show because we knew it doesn't have the content to keep going.
1: So did you decide when you started how many episodes you would produce in advance?
0: Not at all. No, we just said, okay, let's, we, we hit episode 12. We're like, that's good for now and then we did a couple other episodes a month or two later as like trip updates. We went there and we discovered new things. One of the challenges was we re- we would record the Unpodcast and the Vegas one on the same day. So if we wanted this is you know it's economics. If we wanted to record a month's worth of uh the Young podcast because the fixed cost is you know studio and uh, and the people that if the more episodes we can fit in the day, the less our kind of total episode cost would be for each episode so we were recording like four on podcasts and or two on podcasts and two vegas ones then come back every other week and the problem is with our schedule it's really hard to carve it out i'm on the road last year i did 68 keynotes um, in 2015 so i'm on the road a lot and we have uh five kids four of which are at home one's off in college and so us coordinating stuff and scheduling stuff um it it was not working at the time to say, you know, twice a month. So we figured once a month and if we dropped off the Vegas one for the time being, then we could drop that. And um, that's what we ended up doing.
1: The one thing that comes to my mind, it reminds me of the virtual assistant podcast that I did. When I launched it, I did not anticipate how many episodes I would do. I just wanted to share my journey of learning how to use a virtual assistant and learning about delegation and the whole process, this world. And so I started that. I even got a sponsor from episode number one and I made it to about when I got around episode number 33, 34, I started to find myself scratching right. any surface for content.
0: Right. Yeah, that's the problem. That's a big problem. That's and, a big problem where you start reaching.
1: Yeah. And so I, what I decided to do was right around then, I said, okay, I'm going to go to 38 episodes, which will take me to the end of December of 2010. And for the for these final episodes, I'm going to come up with great content but I'm going to announce in every single one of those final episodes that these are the final episodes. We're coming, we're wrapping this thing up, but I used it as a tool to cross promote something else that I knew would be ongoing, which for me is the podcast Answer Man. So, But it sounds to me like this was just a passion project for you. It wasn't something to help lead towards some other ultimate end
0: not at all all it did was create more people emailing us for custom trip itineraries you know that people (laughs) so so that wasn't we just love it absolutely love it we're ambassadors for the place and one of the nice things about that show one of the things about not being successful meaning like we didn't go 100 episodes and you know we're we're coming to you live from the top of the Mandalay Bay or something was that we actually um, on purpose avoided trying to get sponsors for that show because we wanted to give you the unrestrained uncensored feedback of uh, what we were disappointed with serendipity, the, uh, the restaurant outside of Caesar's and we love Caesar's and we were disappointed with it. And we could, and we could say that now, if Hera's Caesar's sponsored the show, do you think we could say that? You know, that's, it's, that's where you get, it's a whole nother world. It's almost like a whole nother, uh, you know, interview for you and I is talking about the, the delicacy of sponsorships where once you take that money, there's an expectation where at least, at the very least you're not going to badmouth them. Yeah. And that's where it came with Vegas was we saw what we could do with it. We we know our strengths. We know what we can do. And we know we can talk. And we have passion. And when you can talk and express that passion, it's an amazing thing. But we didn't want Vegas to become a business for us. It was just not the timing wasn't right. And I think you have to be willing sometimes, like you did with the virtual assistant one, what we did with the Vegas 30, was you got to be willing sometimes to walk away from things. It's not a failure. It's actually smart. It's a good thing for business to say, where are we focusing? What's the priority right now? I know we can do these things, but I don't want to be spread too thin. I, don't, I want to have our focus on this. So like tomorrow, and I'm already giddy in anticipation of going to the studio with Allison tomorrow. We take all month gathering stories. We go to the studio. And the reason, one of the reasons we go to the studio, because we, we could do it here. We could do it at home. We could do it. I took, I took your course. I, I, I know those things to do. The reason, one of the biggest reasons we go to the studio is focus. That we are going there to do the show. That is, we don't, we have two dogs and three cats at home on top of the kids. We have all these things. We're like, when we go to the studio, it's about one thing, it's about the show, and that's all we're doing.
1: That is awesome. I love that. I love that approach. It sounds appealing. And sometimes I'm thinking, hmm. I wonder if I could do something like that <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know what I'm addicted I I, I, I must say I, I love the control of every aspect of everything so I'm a little bit of a control freak. I like to go in and do all
0: my own post-production editing and well make- that's the flip the, here's the flip side of that though I had to realize as a lifelong entrepreneur, the biggest bottleneck to productivity and success for me is me yes that my talent is is this. My talent is on stage talking. My talent is behind a microphone talking. My talent is not work. <laughs> that makes sense.
1: No, that makes a lot of sense. But th- at the same time, you wouldn't farm out, it's, it, you know, going to your scenario, you personally wouldn't farm out somebody else creating your entire outline for a keynote, right?
0: Exactly. That's the thing is I take what my strengths and I focus on them and I find my weaknesses and I pay them.
1: Exactly. And and so it, it makes sense for me to kind of do my own thing because it keeps me up to date with what's changing. And
0: Exactly. Exactly. I would not have somebody go by proxy and do a keynote for me. You know, exactly. they wouldn't be and they wouldn't do the technical behind it either. Nobody touches that for me. Exactly.
1: Let's talk about the Unpodcast. Uh, where'd you come up with the name and who is your target audience for that show?
0: So the Unpodcast uh, is just our brand is on everything. So we wrote unmarketing and unselling, and it's just the unworld for us. The unpodcast just made sense. Now we're actually in a, a crossroad right now of debating uh, whether or not we want to change the name. And that because of the we partially believe that the term podcast can actually turn some people away from the format. in uh, and, and the general public side of things. That because because we make it a show, because we do a full not only audio, but a full three camera video shoot with a with a team. That sometimes when we say podcast to the general public, I talk about the show at every keynote I do. At the end of the keynote, we put up a big banner of it and talk about it. And the feedback I get is, "Well, I just I don't do that podcast thing." And I'm like, "You don't listen or watch a show?" They're like, "Oh yeah, I do that, but I don't do that. I'm not. From, I don't understand the podcast thing." So we are, we're we're debating right now whether or not people in the industry, uh, great people who already listen to them, perfect. It's, it's awesome. The name you know attracts people uh, you know it's the, the business show for the fed up that's what the tagline is so that works for us but when we're looking at kind of the next steps for the show after 100 episodes there's a debate right now for us we're trying to figure out whether or not we want to depart from the word podcast in the show itself because if we had a different name it would be in the podcast section of, of, of iTunes and, and different formats but we're trying to reach an audience more than understands the the actual medium so that's a debate for us so we did the uh un podcast was because of un, and um we are reaching pretty much uh, uh people in business a lot of marketers uh, because a lot of the teams are uh, a lot of the messages and um, themes are about uh, bad marketing so it, it tends to lend itself to marketers but anybody who's um, been fed up with uh Businesses doing it wrong.
1: Of course, this debate has been going on for many years as far as the term of podcasting. I think that one of the interesting things is that podcasting and its understanding among the mainstream culture is getting better as we move forward each new year. Uh, certainly, things helped with Serial and some other things this past year. Mark Marion having the president on certainly uh, helped move the the needle forward in that area, but I certainly understand where you're coming from. It, it there's still so much path to pave, if you will. Two names that immediately pop up for me. You, I mean, obviously, you could stay pretty close to what you have and be the unshow or mm-hmm. uh, unbusiness. Also, would be a great fit for you. Right, there's, there's the
0: unshow, the unbroadcast. There's all. Then we thought of, did we depart from un and call it? Um, uh, well, we kept on. We we're thinking of uh, unsolicited feedback. <laughs> is also one of the names of the show. Still keeping on in there. But actually, it really actually, you know, kind of sums up the entire show. Nobody asked us for what we think about these things, and we're just going to tell you anyways. So um, that that's leading the charge right now is unsolicited feedback, but uh, we'll see.
1: How do you and Allison prepare for a show? I know that you say you you pick up some stories and, and kind of build them as you go and everything like that. But it, let's talk about either the day of or maybe the day or two before what kind of things are you doing to prepare for that day of
0: recording sure i can give it to you almost in real time so we're going into the studio tomorrow so the second we leave the studio uh, a month ago uh, i have an i create a new list on my phone just my notepad on my iphone that's like this month is called links 11 because i've been doing this this way for 11 months now and all i do is in in my travels online through facebook through Allison and I talking back and forth through friends, sending it to us, to people dropping us uh, uh, suggestions on the Unmarketing uh, Facebook page. I just keep a running list of links, numbered one through, usually it, at the end of the month, it usually it's 30 or 40 links in there that I think or that Allison thinks is would be relevant for us to talk about and discuss on the show. And then, so tonight, what I'll do tonight around 8 or 9 o'clock is I'll just go through and print all those stories. We use a program called Clean Print, which is great. It allows you to pull out visuals and ads and pictures and just gets the core text down. So you save paper at the same time and it makes it much more uh, um, easier to read. Uh, We then print them all out and then tomorrow, uh, either tonight or tomorrow, on the way to driving to the studio, Allison will go through the articles and pick which ones kind of fit together, which ones have their own and try to come up with four shows worth of content. And then we kind of just put aside the ones that didn't make the cut maybe we'll revisit them later and then we uh, we don't discuss it beforehand, we don't go okay you're going to take this side, I'll take this side we uh, we sit down, I get my makeup my hair done because I'm a diva and uh, we get ready we pull into the studio around 10.30 uh, it's already all set up for us our, our crew we've worked with the entire time uh, for two years now so Atomic Spark, Adam at the video, he's got all the cameras already set up Wayne's got the audio all set up Um, and our makeup person's all there. We have my coordinator of awesome, Karen, who's been with us for 10 years now, who's my kind of right hand in the business. She drops off lunch at noon. It comes in. We record two episodes before lunch, two episodes afterwards. And there's no script, really. We just let the stories go and flow with what we're going on. Uh, We've now recently brought in um, a a kind of a a monitor behind us in in the shot and video. So Adam brings up different visuals depending on the story that's coming up it allow also allows us to bring up the emma logo for the sponsor readout but really there's we don't we don't do scripting we don't do it's really on the fly we just my entire job between recording is finding things to talk about
1: you record this as a video podcast primarily Mm -hmm. but do you also release the audio as well
0: um. Yeah, so it's actually the majority of people who listen to it and consume it is still audio. So it's recorded in the studio, but it's a separate audio feed that then our video team takes that actual audio from the soundboard and uh, puts it into the video itself. So it still is fully kind of pushed as a um, an audio show. Um, we just have the video for it. And we just found that's so much better for a sponsor. Uh, they want the visuals there. And then we kind of splice it sometimes and put clips uh, onto the Unmarketing Facebook page and kind of promote it through there as well. And uh, it, so it is audio. Like, right, we signed with CBS about a year ago now, which CBS was launching their new podcast platform called uh, Play.It. And they approached us and says, do you want to be one of the main business podcasts? And I'm like, what's the catch? Like, it was it was actually hilarious how the whole process worked because Karen, again, the coordinator of awesome for our company, she's the, she's the wall for email. So, Anything that comes in, she checks first and has to get through her to get to me. And so if you emailed, then um, usually she'd let you through. And uh, not maybe not always. So <laughs> uh, then, so what happens? She forwarded it to me. And I saw this thing. I'm like, I don't even know what it is. I'm, I just assume for being around as long as you and I have been in this digital world, I'm assuming these guys are pitching us paying to be on their network. That's what I was assuming because I've dealt with that so much in every different format of, of media. And I'm like, well, what, what's the catch? And then she writes them back and they're like, nothing. We just want them to be part of the show. I'm like, okay, well, you know, so what, what's the deal that I like, oh, 50, 50 split of ad revenue and this is how it works. And we went through the contract and decided, you know, I, um, uh, and I know I've, I've jumped into this before you asking, but I think it's a, a big part of how the audio gets out there. Uh, we, Took the contract, we changed it. Uh, My brother's in the music business in Texas, so I sent him the contract, and he said they actually wanted to own the show for that year, and we just gave them the exclusive audio distribution rights instead. And uh, and then we kind of went from having it on Libsyn and our own place and launching it through there to actually going through uh, CBS's platform. So now this is we're actually up, I think, this week or so. So you know, then now is our decision: do we want to renew? What do we want to do with it?
1: So CBS approached you. First thing I want our audience to hear is the fact that they sent you a to review. It sounded pretty interesting. You figure, why not? Let's go with it. Yep. But I love the fact, and of course, this is something that I've dealt with over the years with podcast networks that have approached me. You don't ever have to take their boilerplate contract and sign it and, and, and give everything away. You can always change those things, and they're always going to be willing to make those concessions to bring you on if your content is valuable enough to them.
0: You're actually hurting yourself if you sign right away. You know, that that every person in classical business expects a negotiation. That's the entire point. That's the actual contract law is the offer, a negotiation, back and forth, and then signed. Like that's how it works. Did you have a chance to counter? And so when I looked at that, I'm like, I don't like, but the problem is, and here's the thing: when somebody comes when a legacy name like CBS comes to you and says, We want you to be on our our, our new network, and you're you get stars in your eyes. We were excited. You're like, oh, because it gives you, regardless of what you think of whether they understand the podcasting world or digital or anything else, that's a legacy media name that we were going to immediately put in our bio and put out there just to make it, you know, because it makes us sound great. But you can't let that blind you. You've got to look at it saying, are you signing away your content, your, your, your work, your life's work for stuff? And so we came back to them and said, take this out, take this out and change this. And they wrote back and said, you got it. I love that. So what came first, CBS or Emma? Uh, CBS did. Two reasons you, you, well, three reasons you you sign with a, a media company like CBS. One is to get the name CBS so you can use it and leverage it. Two is to try to increase your audience size. And three is to try to get advertisers. You know, one of the biggest things was CBS Local was actually the, the arm of cbs that would be doing the play.it network so they had all these local affiliates and their job was to they're taking all the ad people from tv and radio and shifting them over to the podcasting so we'd have the um the benefit of having a sales team trying to sell the show so what happened is it actually happened through a, a tweet amazingly enough so we were with cbs we're on their their network and uh, there was a tweet about uh, a, a conference coming up called marketing united this is last year uh, and Emma email was running it. And I saw them announcing a couple keynotes. Friends of mine, uh, Jay Bayer and Ann Hanley, were keynoting. So I just wrote back uh, and said, that's some great keynotes. And uh, she, Emma, the account, wrote back and said, speaking of keynotes. And then we got an email five minutes later from our contact form saying, hey, we're wondering if Scott would come keynote as well. Also, is the sponsorship still open for the show? And it turns out they've been following us for three years or so. Just Loving the work, and they were kind of looking to get into the sponsorship side of things. And just so happened that we started talking about sponsorship on the show, and uh, so they came. So we actually we actually brought in the advertiser, and uh, instead of CBS bringing it to us, and um, so we just got. But we also know that signing with CBS certainly helped that type of thing. You know, whether it's you're justifying it to the person who's making the decision to sponsor or the higher ups there. Either way, it gets instant clout to the people who are talking about sponsoring or not. So that really worked. And here's the thing: you know, one of the other benefits because we've actually gone down there in Nashville. We've, we've visited them a couple of times. We've done things at their their office. We've, we love hanging out. They're, they've been amazing. That it, it's played into the fact that from episode one, we look and we sound like we we know what we're doing and we belong and, we, and you know, professional. Because you want to look like you've had a a sponsor for 10 years, even if you're just starting episode one. That was a big part because once a sponsor lends their name to it, then that's their brand as well.
1: As I'm thinking about your contract, one of the things that I have seen in a lot of contracts and what I usually tend to negotiate on is the idea of if they bring the sponsor, then we have this split. If I bring the sponsor in and I negotiate that initial contact and and convince them, then there's, you know, I get more of that. Um, Yeah, so
0: we did that with, um, it's like... uh, whoever brought it in gets a commission. So uh, whoever brought the sale in gets 15% of the full deal and the rest is split. So pretty much the same idea. So if we brought them in, we get in theory, not really kind of, but 65% and they would get uh, 35. And if they did it, would be the other way around, they'd get the other deal. So okay. we, we did have a uh, incentive to bring it in. But what happened was, so we brought in the key sponsor, the platinum one. And one of the benefits of being with CBS is they gave us a rate card. And they showed us here's everything they'd get. Here's all the impressions. Here's all the things, and here's the amount. And it was you know 150 thousand dollars. And before that, I'm like, I have no idea what you charge for a sponsorship. Like what eleven dollars? I don't know what you charge for a sponsorship. We're just making it up, like everything else we're doing. So them giving us, I would never. I swear, we would never say 150 thousand dollars if it wasn't for CBS's guidance with that and their their reach. And we originally thought. Before we got them, we were thinking about $1,000 an episode. And that was actually just because we figured out costs of our show. And at the original, we were like, we just want to cover costs. And then we, once we got bigger and thinking about it and the commitment we could give, then that made another step. So when Emma signed with us, not only were they sponsoring the show and the audio, because that, the, the CBS sponsorship offer was for the audio. So we gave them the video as well, sponsoring-wise, and a keynote at their event. Plus, we'd done webinars for them. We've gone down two months ago and did a a live Q&A thing. We call it the live on podcast for their customers and stuff. So one of the things about sponsors, it was just like we try to go above and beyond for them. And the, 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 the flip side of that is since we brought in the main sponsor, CBS would start bringing in smaller ones and local ones that would only pay... CPM they would put you know cost per listener so they would have a sponsor giving us literally hundred twelve dollars uh, like for a month and uh, and they would want equal billing as Emma as our main sponsor and I we told CBS a few months ago I'm like we don't want any more we don't want any more advertisers we don't want anything brought from you we're only doing Emma and because they they front they paid a whole year. We had other sponsors come to us and say, well, can we do it for a test trial for three months? Can we do this? And they're like, we're committing to you. We believe in the show. We're on for a year. How's
1: Emma feel about the sponsorship and what they've gotten out of it?
0: I, uh, they're ecstatic. We're, just, we're like best friends every week. Uh, obviously, you'd have to ask them, but uh, we, we just had lunch with them a month ago. We just, like, we're doing so much with them because lo- we kept bringing ideas to them. We're doing, I'm going back to keynote again uh, in April, Right before we go to NAB, right before we go to the the broadcasting show in Vegas, we're going stopping in Nashville to do a keynote and a live on podcast. And we pitched to them a week ago. Why don't we do a contest for it? And we will fly uh, two people. We'll uh, we'll fly them to the event. We'll put them up. We'll have uh, dinner with them at the Peg Lake. A barbecue place that we love in nashville or the mexican place depending on a person's dietary needs and full conference passes hotel flight we just pitched it to them we thought it'd be a fun idea and they were over the moon with it so i think if it was just kind of here's our listeners this month and the number and the thanks for sponsoring it wouldn't be as, as as excitable but since we actually wear their t-shirts on every show you know the emma logo on it we put their We actually take Emma coasters, and we tape them to the microphones so they look like kind of Emma microphones. So we really, like we have the contract, that base is fulfilled, but we've actually gone 10 times above that. So our job is to keep them as happy as possible for as long as possible.
1: I love that because in negotiations with sponsors, even in my own personal experience and what I've seen with other podcasters, what we struggle with is, how much do we charge for a sponsor? And oftentimes it's like, well, you know, there's obviously the potential of basing it upon covering costs, which you had anticipated, you know, had at least thought about at one yeah. point. The other one is, well, h- how much value are they going to get? I mean, what kind of return of investment? How right. are they measuring that? And sometimes you just want to say, well, it, it, I guess it's important and it's on me to make sure that whatever they're paying me, they get at least that much, if not much more, in return financially.
0: Yeah, we actually take we take some of the money they get. We actually reinvest it. We actually start advertising the show with their logo on it, on a couple sites and a couple other shows, and like so. We're our job is just to make them realize this is the best decision we could have made with our marketing dollars uh, this year, and uh, that's you know. So when we hopefully come up for time for renewal, they're just like, of course. Why why would you even ask? That's and the problem is a lot of the times. I know business has to do with cost and your profit margin and everything, but I don't. I realized that. Your cost is not nothing; has nothing to do with your value to them at all. So, if your cost to produce a show is zero or next to zero because you do it in your own setup and uh, and on your own, that does not mean your value to an advertiser is zero. It's got there's no relation to it to me. And the problem is if you underprice your sponsorship, that actually reflects your sponsorship. Yes. So if a if a brand comes to you and says, "We're looking at sponsoring your show for a month. What's your rate?" and you say, "I don't know. How, how's 50 bucks?" Are like mm, i don't think we should do this yeah it's it's true it's like when i became a keynote speaker when i charged i'm the same speaker when i used to charge four thousand dollars i am today when i charge twenty thousand dollars but i am 20 times more valuable to these people that pay the the big bucks for it because there's a perception there
1: not only that is there a perception but really you do probably go out of your way more i mean it you, for sure you probably spend more time in preparation more time because it, it it does motivate you and inspire you to take even deeper
0: action on their behalf. A hundred percent. I just, it's, it's absolutely, it's, it's our we don't even think about doing it we're like what else can we do for them what else can we do for them you know we just it's you know we we sent them baskets at Christmas and we wear their shirts and we, we actually did a live uh, with an audience for episode 100 we had a, an audience come in for the show and sit around like Def Leppard in the 90s they sat around the table and we had 40 people in the room and we gave away Emma t-shirts and stuff like that so it was like just involving, and that really is what I think sponsorship is too, is making them almost part of the show without being cheesy. That we've talked to people uh, who, who are dedicated listeners, and they're like, it's just so seamless with them because we just work the live read into it. People know the show opens with their name in it, and um, it becomes part of the show, it's part of the brand, and that's really important.
1: What would you say is the most rewarding thing about doing a podcast? It sounds to me like you've got over 100 episodes, there's no end in sight that I can tell. You're enjoying this. Uh, what is the most rewarding reason
0: why you do what you do with your podcast? It's It's working with house it really is. I just <laughs> I just I just love her and mm-hmm. and the ability for us to throw things back and forth and that other people are good to get to see how great it is is incredible for me. It gets my mind going and um, we have so much fun and the opportunity we're just we're still giddy going into the studio, and it's been two years now. And I can't wait. I never thought something would even come close to the feeling I get on stage, and this certainly does. I love it. I love it. And um, and also, getting to listen and watch myself is always a fantastic time. But uh, it's actually one of the other parts of it on the external side of things. It's the listenership. It's the We've never had um, a, a fan base be so... Dedicated to be so in it than a podcast listenership. And this is, you know, coming from um, a company here that we've, again, four books that we've got, you know, people loved, you know, and marketing came out and blew the lid off things. And, you know, I, I get standing ovations sometimes when I do keynotes. Like I get all this feedback from people, but man, podcast listeners are. They're into it. They love it. And if you miss an episode, they let you know. Like, it's just a a very cool thing. And it's the only time I've ever stayed in front of anybody with frequency. and, And that's been really cool, too. Yeah,
1: there's something hardcore about the loyalty of a podcast audience and the fact that you're influencing them in their lives. If you're there every week and you're talking for 40 minutes to an hour every single week, I mean, there's a good chance that busy couples, you might actually be speaking and having more influence in the lives of the people who are listening to you, than their own spouse
0: at times. Oh, huge, huge, right? Because you're, and it's it's actually it's really intimate, right? Where people this you think about when people are consuming the show audio wise, they're they're on their way to work or they're walking the dog or they're working out, and you're the only thing in their ear. I mean, that's a that's a, it's a it's a pretty good setting to be in, and it's it's funny sometimes the feedback we get, and uh, you know, that our first ever comment on a show. It was uh, our first show. Actually, we actually went 59 minutes and we just started talking. And our first comment was 59 minutes. I actually haven't listened to the show yet, but 59 minutes, come on. Like that was the first ever comment we got on a show. And like, we just didn't have a set time. So now once we signed with CBS, we were contractually obligated to be at least 30 minutes. And we realized we were going for almost an hour sometimes before We were going to get, we're getting starting to get really tired at the end of the studio day when we did four episodes, four hours of recording. So we realized we could actually take this content um, into a half hour or so and make it, since we have no theme for the most part, we don't have an episode and a a topic for each one. We really can just cut it in after 30, 32 minutes and go, that's good. That's a good one. And then jump into the next one. So that's the, the absolute glory of having no flow and whatsoever no topic basis we can cut and go we realize it's much better for us we don't get tired out we don't get burnt out so we do about 30 35 minutes a show um and have a total of you know two hours or so of recording instead of over four and that was but we had to adjust that we had to adjust that uh going into it
1: my target audience are folks who are entrepreneurial, small business-minded individuals out there uh, who are considering launching a podcast. Now, several of them already have a podcast, but specifically those who are on the fence. They've been thinking about podcasting. That's why they just started tuning in maybe within the last couple of weeks of this podcast. To those people who are on the fence and they're getting ready to launch a podcast, what's one piece of advice that you would give to somebody who is just starting out? Some advice that you wish maybe you would have received when you were just getting launched.
0: Am I allowed to tell them just to take your course? Is that okay? Does that worry? I, you didn't you didn't tell me to. It wasn't you, what I'm fishing for, but I mean, no, if I know, that's I, know it. I, I but but this is the thing. I didn't have one until I took your course. And this is I, I promise you, you understand that people listening right now, my brand is the no BS world that I only tell I only say what I think. And You've got to have accountability, though. When you run your own thing, when you run your own show, you have no boss. That's good, and that's terrible, because you have no accountability. You have nothing. And one of the things that your course did was just it gave you modules. It gave you things. Okay, what this next one and this next one, and you did it, and you created it, and it removed those roadblocks. And uh, that was huge. I just, I that was huge, and what I got from you from that whole thing. Those pieces of advice, like I got all those things so I didn't have to go in and I can't. it's almost like I can't say right now what I would have done differently because there isn't anything because of taking the course. Now that's, that's got to be the greatest unsolicited testimony of all time. I can possibly <laughs> give somebody, but I, here's the thing. I didn't even take your course to take the course. I got it so I could get access to you so I could ask you questions about it. I remember Remember, we had an email. I'm like, hey, can you, can we hire you on? Could you? He's like, well, wait, I just do this course. And I'm like, oh, whatever, I'll pay whatever it is and just to be part of it. And I ended up going through the course. And, and I don't even have to use this stuff because we have a whole crew. But it's like the entrepreneur learning accounting basics. I'm not going to be the accountant, but I need to know what's going on with my money. And that was we for podcasting. So I understand every function of what's going on and around me. So I know I don't want to be doing those things and I want to have the experts come in. So that was a huge, huge thing for me. I, don't, I wouldn't change anything else because we, we did it on our own terms, our own conditions. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't change it. It's worked out so well. Um, I wouldn't change anything at
1: all. I appreciate that. And what's really cool is I know for a fact that anybody who's hearing your voice, they do know that you're the no BS guy and that, (laughs) that there's no way I could have even paid you to say those words. No, I,
0: I, but you know what I think, and you said this during the course as well uh, and on the subsequent uh, Facebook group for people, for uh, members was, you know, you gotta be careful with looking at numbers that. I have we like most people I have that problem when a book launches. I, I keep refreshing Amazon sales rank, and when we launch a podcast, I keep going to Libsyn and checking how many listens. And that doesn't dictate how good you are. You know, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a number, and that's that was the nice thing about <laughs> moving to CBS is I lost all access to those numbers, so I couldn't check them every day, and it was driving and batty. So that was a good thing. Awesome,
1: that is great advice. Don't obsess over the numbers because any amount of time that you spend focusing on how many people are currently listening and using that as a vanity rank that's time taken away from you creating even greater content for the next episode or building a deeper relationship with the people who are already listening exactly well scott where can people find the unpodcast and any other thing that you want to promote
0: uh, on podcast just you know look it up where good podcasts are sold so wherever you listen uh, you can go to unpodcast.com takes you right to the website and it's there, but you can do it on YouTube. We have the whole video series on YouTube or you can download and listen uh, anytime. Show comes out every Wednesday uh, from now until they take us off the air. (laughs) That's awesome. Scott, thank you so much, my friend,
1: and uh, I wish you many blessings in 2016. All right, Cliff, thanks for having me on. Well, there you go, my friends. That was my conversation with Scott Stratton over at the Un Podcast. Go check him out, unpodcast.com. Friends, I just want to remind you that my next session of Podcasting A to Z is coming up on Monday, March 14th, 2016. If you are looking to launch a podcast, I'd love to have this opportunity to be your personal coach walking you through every step in the process. Head over to a2z.com for more details. And well, I want to go ahead and share one more plug here at the end of this episode, and it is for my other weekly podcast that I do. It's called The Cliff Ravenscraft Show. If you're not aware of this, I have a whole other podcast that I do every week where I give you the -the behind-the-scenes action of what goes on in building my own business, building my own brand, my own thought process of the products and services that I create, the pricing, the mindset of what goes into thinking about how to do business and to improve your marketing and all of those other things. And also, how does that balance with being a husband and a father and, and and how do you fit in time for your health and fitness? All of those kinds of things and more, all of that over at The Cliff Ravenscraft Show. If you're not already a subscriber to that podcast, I invite you to go over to your favorite podcast directory and do a search for The Cliff Ravenscraft Show. Well, thank you again so much for tuning in to Podcast Answer Man. And until next week, I encourage you to take everything you do to the next level.
0: Helping you take everything you do to the next level.